Good morning. It's Tuesday, May 5th, 2015. This is Tech Talk Today, episode 166. My name is Chris, and we are here today with some stories and a little bit of a review for a Kickstarter that I backed a while ago on the show. And it's a pretty neat neat piece of kit, although it might have a few flaws. I'll tell you about that and uh, how it may help me get a better night's sleep. But first, we have to dig into our headlines. So let me bring in our mumble room. Time appropriate greetings, mumble room. Good Hello, guys. So uh, this is great. This the two. There's two ways you can read our first story today. Um, here's Slashdot's version: a single Verizon IP address used for hundreds of Windows Seven activations. Okay. Here's Torrent Freak's headline: Microsoft logs which IP addresses Windows Seven users connect from. <laughs> So both are true, uh, and here's what's going on. Uh, a pirate uh, with an unusually large appetite for Windows 7 uh, has uh, got the wrath of Microsoft in a lawsuit filed in Washington court. The Seattle-based company, hey oh Seattle, uh, said that it logged hundreds of suspicious product activations from one Verizon IP address. Hmm. I wonder if this guy was uh, handing it out. Uh, in a lawsuit filed in the district court, they, li- they listed the IP address, 74.111.202.30. Who he or she is is still unknown at this point, but according to Microsoft, they're responsible for some serious Windows pirating. As part of the cyber forensic methods, Microsoft analyzed product key activation data voluntarily provided by users when they activate the Microsoft software, including the IP address from which the given product is activated, according to the lawsuit paperwork. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Hundreds of hundreds of activations. That's pretty great. Uh, from one Verizon ISP on a DSL line, it looks like. Uh, Microsoft says the defendants have activated these copies and used product keys that were stolen from its company's supply chain or were never issued with a valid license. I guess we all knew that Microsoft was tracking the IP when you activated Windows, right? Nobody's surprised. Anybody in the mumble room surprised by that fact at all? Uh, yeah, no. kind of. You are? Oh, you are. I don't remember reading anywhere that they got my IP address. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was ever made very clear to me. I suppose it would be nice, like in the message, hey, you know, here's what they could do while it's activating. Instead of a progress bar that tells me absolutely nothing and apparently is, like, connected to another reality's time because it's not connected to ours, and all of the time that Microsoft's been writing progress bars, anyways, I don't mean to get upset, but really, Microsoft? So instead of this bogus progress bar, how about just little factoids about how they're abusing my privacy? Like, bum bum, this is the 34th time we've noticed an activation from this IP. Bum bum, we are tracking your hardware specs and list you as this. Bum bum, our geolocation puts you roughly in this area. Bum bum, we estimate you're a white male. Like, just go ahead and just flash all that stuff up on the screen for me. That, I think, would be much more useful than the bogus progress bar. Mildly useful things like Ubuntu do with an install screen. (laughs) Or that, or that. Uh, All right, so uh, are you getting all fired up, getting sick and tired of activations and DRM? Well, then your buddies over GOG are here with their Steam competitor. I guess they're calling it Galaxy, right? Galaxy, because we need more things called Galaxy. Not your phones, not the actual Galaxy, not the place where you go on a quest. No, 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 this is good old games or GOG's service that's supposed to be an online gaming platform like Steam with community features, auto-updates, uh, it lets you uh, share your victories and things like that. Now, you might be like me and be like, I never heard about Galaxy, Chris. I think you're making this up. Turns out it's been in beta since about last year, uh, and this little video tells you a bit about it. These days, you might not always feel like you actually own the games you buy. You are often forced to create third-party accounts and install client apps to prove you're allowed to launch and play your games. In some cases, you even have to stay online to play a single-player game. And if you're not connected, you can get locked out of your games. We believe gamers deserve a better experience, so we'd like to introduce you to 
GOG Galaxy, our vision for truly gamer-friendly, DRM-free online gaming and services. With GOG Galaxy, your game will always launch. No online activation required. Sure, if you want to play online, you need to be connected. And if you want to share the achievements you've unlocked, you'll need a profile for that. But with GOG Galaxy, being online will always be optional. It'll be up to you which features you want to use. We call this Freedom of Choice. Our client application will offer convenient game updating as well as the option to stay in touch with friends. But we will never force it on you. Never require you to have it to play your games. We call it the Optional Client. Regardless of which digital store you buy your games from, we don't think you should be locked into it. We strongly believe that you should be free to play together with all your friends, without any third-party client apps or accounts required. We call this Crossplay. Welcome to GOG Galaxy, the DRM-free online gaming platform. So uh, they've gone into uh, supposedly, uh, according to the Verge headline, open beta uh, today. By open beta, though, the Verge means you can go put your email address in and uh, you'll get an invite when they're ready for you. Currently, the client is only available for Mac OS and Windows. The Linux client is not available. Bit of a letdown since uh, that seems to be if you're going to actually compete in this space like Tesora and Steam do, you do need to have a contender on the Linux desktop. But I'm sure they'll get to that eventually, just like they always eventually get to Linux. Uh, but overall, GOG has a pretty solid library. I have, you know... Um, Gosh, am I still logged in over here? Let me see. I have. Uh, I I went over to try to sign up for it, but uh, I couldn't get in. But you know, I was just on uh, GOG um, just the other day buying one of their new Star Wars games. I got quite a bit of games. This, I mean, not a, not a ton, but a decent amount. Uh, and I got some like these great. Oh, the Wing Commander game series. This is what I really love GOG for. Is these these old games. Um, I find GOG to have a selection to be subpar for me in my gameplay style than Steam. But for those of you who love GOG, this is probably going to make it even better. Uh, anybody in the mumble room like a hardcore GOG fan? I'm I'm a pretty big fan. So are you excited about Galaxy then? I think most of what that video said was market hype. But <laughs> the, the core message was that DRM-free games deserve a platform to sit on and be treated as equal. And I think that can only be good for all games. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is for sure. Uh, and I, I definitely like the fact that uh, um, if they make a if they make a Linux client, I will definitely download it just so that way I have a front end to easily get access to my GOG games. Um, so I'll use it. I don't know if I'm, you know, I'm really not interested in another social network, but I suppose some people might be, especially if you're really passionate about some of the games they have up there. So that's Galaxy, and uh, today, just as we were going on the air, it went open beta. I don't know exactly what that means, though, because I still had to sign up for an invite. Maybe that just means I'll get mine by the end of the show. Uh, a quick plug uh, for our friends over at CoreOS. They're still shaking up the uh, container market space. I know. How do we go from games to containers? Well, don't ask me. But taking a major step forward in its quest to drive Linux container standards, uh, CoreOS has spun off management of its app container project into a standalone foundation, already with backing from Google, VMware, Red Hat, and a Seprica, which I'm not familiar with. Uh, becoming a formalized open source project, the App Container, the App APPC community, has a governance policy and uh, will be operated separately from CoreOS. This is kind of big news because it's competition with something similar that Docker has. AppSpec is a spec that now has its own namespace and a governance structure that makes it independent from CoreOS. That group of people will push the standard forward, and it won't be the, but will not be controlling the standard. CoreOS and its technologies will continue to support Docker as well, and there are no plans to discontinue Docker support in CoreOS at any time soon. 
So for those of you that follow this kind of thing, it, this is a pretty interesting development, and we may talk about it more on today's Linux Unplugged. Uh, but uh, the, the uh, container space, I think, is fascinating. There's a story going around about Apple pushing the music labels to kill their free streaming services, like Spotify dropping their free uh, streaming tier. Um, and in uh, some are saying it's on the eve of the Beats relaunch. I wouldn't be too surprised to find out this is uh, true to some degree. But here, I'll, I'll read you the story, and then uh, you tell me what you think. Uh, the Verge has learned that Apple has been pushing major labels to force streaming services like Spotify to abandon their free tiers, which will dramatically reduce the competition for Apple's upcoming offering. Uh, the idea being, uh, if iTunes or if Beats or whatever it is relaunches with a subscription service, it's a lot more competitive if there aren't other free services out there. Hmm. DOG's officials have already interviewed high-ranking music industry executives about Apple's business habits, but it appears the FTC has taken the lead in the recent weeks. Could be heating up. Apple has been using its considerable power in the music industry to stop the music labels from renewing Spotify's license to stream music through its free tier. Spotify currently has 60 million listeners, but only 15 million of them are paid users. Getting the music labels to kill the freemium tiers from Spotify and others could put Apple in prime position to grab a large swath of new users when it launches its own streaming service, which is widely expected to feature a considerable amount of exclusive content. Uh, sources also indicate that Apple offered to pay YouTube's sources that are unnamed offered to pay YouTube's music licensing fee to Universal Music Group if the label stopped allowing its songs on YouTube. Apple is seemingly trying to clear a path before its streaming service launches, which is expected to debut in WWDC in June. That is the third time the author has made that point in as many paragraphs. In three paragraphs, the author has made that point three times. This is shit journalism. This is the worst kind of journalism. And The Verge should be ashamed that they posted this. First of all, uh, you're a fool if you think the music industry likes these free streaming tiers. They've been trying to kill this from day one. Do you remember the whole thing around What's-Her-Face pulling her music off of Spotify because she doesn't, she doesn't want it out there for free? This has been a major point of contention from the music labels for the last two years. They have been fighting tooth and nail to shut down the free services. So I call bullshit that it's Apple trying to do it. Of course Apple wants it. Everybody else that wants to sell music also wants it to be, go away. This is a hatchet job. And I'm not some Mr. Apple defender here, but this doesn't take much more than two seconds of critical thinking. And why am I upset about it? Because the entire internet, including our subreddit, is buying this hook, line, and sinker. This is obviously a skewed piece. Of course they don't want a free tier. They want to make money. Obviously. But this is a crap job. Just in those first three paragraphs, this is the, if this was about Linux, and open source, I would be declaring this as an absolute attack job. This is ridiculous. And this is going, nobody, sources, sources familiar with the matter, do better than that if you're going to make claims like, put the name on the line, put, your, put the name on there. This is horrible. And of course, there's elements that are true. So at the end of it, the, the journalist can, or if you can call them the, the blogger, I guess we just have to go back to calling them bloggers now because they don't get to, they, we can't call them journalists anymore. They don't, they don't deserve that. So the blogger, the blogger could always go back to the core essential truths, which is, yes, Apple is a very cutthroat business. Yes, Tim Cook likes to make money. Yes, they want to relaunch a music streaming service that they paid millions of dollars for. And yes, WWDC is coming up in June. All of those four things are true. So they write this entire piece of shit about all four things that are not really obviously that hard to argue because if you just boil them down to their core, they are very true. And the whole thing is pinned up around that. You get a couple of crappy sources that probably are competitors to iTunes to begin with, and you quote them and you got yourself a clickbait article right here at The Verge. You slap Tim Cook and Dre's image on there and boom, you got yourself a headline. 
beautiful. And then everybody buys it. And I am so sick of this. This is why I started this show. Because we should do better than this. We don't need to do this. It doesn't matter if it's Apple. It doesn't matter if it's Red Hat. It doesn't matter if it's Microsoft. We don't need to do this. End of rant. All right. Now, I wanted to talk about something that's kind of nice. Unless, before we move on, if anybody in the mumble room wants to rant or counter rant, you are welcome to do so. I'd just like to say that as long as Spotify don't flinch at this kind of terrible journalism, then we can continue on as normal. I don't think they're going to be bothered by The Verge trying to get more money by... Oh, for sure. No, no, I know. It just... The thing is, is it creates this hostile sort of like... um, It's this whole vacuum that the tech world exists in where uh, sometimes like we can't... We can't poke our heads out of it, and we can't realize that, like, first of all, it's we're a niche of a niche, and that the rest of the world doesn't care about 98% of this crap, and there's a lot more important things going on. And instead, we just sort of feed off of each other and create these stories and create these headlines and create this commentary, and then these go into shows, and people discuss them in shows, and then that goes on the TV, and it goes on the radio, and it goes into more posts and more analysis, and it's just this continual circle jerk of absolutely nothing. And every now and then it gets to me. I mean, honestly, it seems like I get upset, but you got to understand the amount of news I process for these shows, and this only happens about once a week at most, it's not that bad because I, it just happens all the time. But sometimes it's just so obvious. Ugh. Okay. Something else that wasn't so obvious was a Kickstarter project that I backed a long time ago. It was called The Hello, uh, and it's kind of an adorable name. I don't think it's a very good name, but it's an adorable name, and it's a cutesy little ball. Mine's black, but that one, the one here in the picture you're watching is white. It sits on your nightstand. It sends out a beacon of... Actually, I bet they have a video. I, you, know, you know me. I love videos. Meet Sense. Hi, Sense. The remarkable Hello. new system that understands the most important room in your life. Okay, my bedroom. Your bedroom. Down chicka wow wow. Sound, light, temperature, and more. Sense watches it all. When Sense glows green... Your bedroom is ready for a good night's sleep. By morning, the sleep pill on your pillow has followed how you slept. Sense will show you what happened during the night and will let you know if anything needs changing. Never before has there been a way to gain this much insight into your sleep. If your room is too warm or too bright for you, Sense will let you know and suggest the changes that need to be made. When the conditions in your bedroom are ideal, you'll find it easier to fall asleep and the quality of your sleep will improve. Your day depends on your night, but you don't know what's happening while you're asleep until now. With Sense, you'll not only be able to see what happened in your bedroom, but also what happened to you? From tossing and turning to snoring, sense gives you the full picture. We know waking up can sometimes be tough. When you set Sense's smart alarm, it knows when to wake you up at the right time in your natural sleep cycle. It'll make sure you're on time and feeling refreshed. And just like that, you wake up at the perfect time for you. You should start every day feeling rested. Get better sleep with sense. 
Now don't we all feel better? So I got it, and I've been using it for a few days, and uh, it's pretty intense. Uh, it, it comes; it's it's really two components. They don't emphasize the sleep pill so much in that video, but the sleep pill is a Bluetooth accessory that uh, is the remote sensor that you clip onto your pillow, and it's designed really nicely. It just slips right over your pillowcase and stays on snug. Uh, it has a microphone to listen to noise levels, as an ambient light sensor, a temperature and humidity sensor, particle sensors to see if the air has particles in it, and a speaker to wake you up. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's really well designed. They've done a very very good job of building this thing. Um, it was fun because the level that I backed, I got to uh, get like a poster of the construction and all of that stuff. So you guys know me. You know I've been tracking my sleep. That you've been listening to this show. This is something I try to I try to work out because I get horrible 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 terrible bad sleep. And so and you know I got a, I've done I've gone in I've gotten sleep studies for sleep apnea and, and things like that. Um and and have been uh, prescribed uh, um a CPAP for a sleep apnea and, and whatnot. And so I'm continuing to try to refine it and uh, get it uh, to get this sort of to a spot where I feel like I get good rest. So that way I can sit here and, you know, do shows because doing these shows actually requires a fair bit of energy and also having three children. So uh, I wanted to show you the interface, which you get. So this is when you wake up in the morning. This is my sleep score. I had a 62 sleep score out of 100. It says I was asleep for five. Uh, I was asleep for five hours. And I slept soundly for 1.8 of those five hours. And then below that, it gives me sort of a breakdown of the hourly sleep. So the large chunks are times when I was sleeping. And there's a happy, uh, sleepy face to indicate that between 11.43 and uh, looks like about uh, 12.15, I slept. And then I woke up. And then between 12.50 and about 1.30, I slept. And then I woke up. And then it looks like between about 3.30 and 3.57, so I slept. I got, so you can see I get chunks of sleep throughout the night. Um, and then it gives me some suggestions. It says, two days ago, your bedroom's temperature during your sleep ranges was between 76 and 80 degrees. That's too warm for ideal sleep. Try lowering the thermostat to 70. Uh, also, another uh, thing. Three days ago, your bedroom light level of zero lux was perfect. And that's also dimmer than 99% of all sense users. Yeah, we try to have a, a nice uh, dim bedroom. Uh, and then it also gives me real-time stats of where my bedroom is at right now. Currently, this it's 70 degrees in my bedroom. And there's a bar graph that shows me how that temperature has been trending for the last 24 hours. The humidity is 38%. It tells me, by the way, that's just right for great sleep. The light level is perfect in my room for sleep right now. And the noise level, 25 decibels, is perfect for sleep right now. Now, uh, I don't know how, how good the sensors are. Uh, I, would, I would actually caution you if you want to use this for uh, actual sleep metrics. I don't think it's as accurate. Um, I continue, I would say uh, get a Android Wear watch. Uh, like the LG Watch R is perfect because it has the best battery life to sensor ratio. Uh, the Moto 360 is okay and the Pebble's great. Um, and get sleep as Android. And that is a better combination than this currently because then you have a sensor right here on your wrist and this also records audio in your room and does some of the, some of the things. The uh, the sensor the sense is neat in the in the way though that it can check for particle counts. It can also work with multiple pills, those remote Bluetooth pills, so that way if you have a partner, you can put one on their pillow and it'll track both your sleep and it can detect who was moving and it'll give you that kind of indication. Um, it's nice. It's it's for me it gives me a sense of empowerment over a situation that I have very little insight on. I have very little insight on why I get very, 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 very bad sleep. I mean, you saw that. I essentially got, uh, what did it say, um, 1.8 hours of sleep, of deep sleep last night. That's horrible. So why is it so bad? And what can I do to fix it? And all the data, because when I'm asleep, I, I, there's no way for me to take notes. I, there's no way for me to, to note what went wrong. But by using a couple of different devices to track it, I'm getting a pretty filled-in picture of what happens. And I'm getting a different idea of, okay, um, 
walking an hour today made this much of a difference in my sleep. And for me, that's sort of the kind of data I need to stay motivated to actually keep walking. Because if I don't, if I don't notice a difference, and of course I'm asleep, so how could I notice it? If I don't notice a difference, but I do notice the time suck that walking takes, the inconvenience that walking takes, and the fact that I could use that time to do other things, that I always notice. So I got to have something that can show me almost on a daily basis, hey, that walk was worth it. Hey, that walk was worth it. Hey, keep doing that. Maybe you should go for two. That's what this gives me. That is what I take away from this. But it could give you, it could give different people different insights. Uh, so this one's like $130. That's why I say it'd almost be better just to get a watch, which is a little bit more. And you also get a watch, and then you get the Sleep as Android app. But it's a neat device, and uh, it's fun to sort of get a history of the sleeping conditions in my room. So that is my review of the Hello, which I backed on Kickstarter quite a while ago for less than 130 which it's selling for now. So anyways, any questions, Mumbrum, before I wrap up? Do you cool. know see what the difference is between Sleep as Android and this device? Which one's better? Uh, I think the Sleep as Android is much more accurate um, because uh, uh, it's had. I've, I think I've had times where it's detecting my wife as me, whereas Sleep as Android, because the watch is attached to my arm, it's much more localized to my movements. Um, can, uh, yeah. Can I ask a hypothetical question? Yeah. Do you think this massive? growth in interest of sleep technology would have happened without Kickstarter and Indiegogo? Hmm. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, Because I don't think there was a real good way for consumers to demonstrate the need because it's almost one of those things that on its face of it, it sounds um, sounds worthless uh, or it sounds... um, Well, I'm trying to figure like like an like excessive like you don't really need it like what's not a necessity Um, but I think right but I think also what's happening is we're having a a cultural shift in our understanding of how important sleep is for us and I think as people are starting to realize there are technology does potentially offer some solution to optimize what has been a mystery to us uh, I think more and more people are going to get on board with that. Uh, I like it a lot. You know, my wife, uh, she's gonna, she's get, she's sticking with her Fitbit um, just because she likes the sleep tracking aspect of it. So she's gonna, you know, if she gets the Apple Watch, she's gonna wear it. She's gonna carry a Fitbit and the Apple Watch because she uh, she wants to keep both. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, Mitt, for you, had a question. Yeah, is it good for power naps? Say you wanted to take a forty minute recovery midday. Can you, know, you handle that? I've never. I I I don't know. I I've only had it for a few days, and I haven't had a power nap in my bed. Uh, usually I crash here at the studio and then I just use the sleep as Android app uh, because so the way with the sense is it senses when you get in bed. You don't tell it you've gotten in bed. This is kind of one of the interesting things about it is you get in, it detects you're in there, it starts tracking, you get out of bed, it realizes you've gotten up, it stops tracking. Sleep as Android, you start and stop it. You know, you start it when you get in bed and you can pause it on the watch if you need to get up and pee and you stop it in the morning and it's a manual process. Um, whereas since I don't, I guess if you probably laid down, it would probably detect you were there. Um, so yeah, I think I, it would probably work. I've never done it though. And is, up, is, um, uploading your statistics online, is that opt in or is it compulsory? Well, so it does appear to have, uh, a large cloud component where it does the actual processing of the data. Um, that isn't like a social network. Um, it like, it doesn't, it's not like a dashboard where people can go see your stats. And I don't even think, I don't even think there's a dashboard I can go see my stats at other than in the app. Um, so how does it compare to Fitbit? Same kind of, well, Fitbit has much more social, right? You can, you can, you can share your steps and track weathers and, and you can basically share any of the metrics in the Fitbit app with any other Fitbit user. Right now, the sense is all 
private to me. But it is on their infrastructure, the data processing, I believe. And that thing, so the way the Sense app, the way that Sense sensor works is it's powered by a micro USB cord. But otherwise, it just connects to your Wi-Fi network, and it does all of the little collecting and transmitting to the, their servers on its own, and then the phone just pulls down the data. So I, I, I can be anywhere, uh, I, which is kind of neat. One thing that's kind of neat about that system is, like, right now, as I'm doing the show, I'm pulling up my Sense app, and I'm looking at the temperature stats in my room uh, so I can see, like, this is live it, because it's connecting through their service. So that's kind of cool. So I can, I like that aspect of it. Like, and, uh, so if, like, if you know, I could check the room like during Bella's nap and see if it's in a good condition for her to go nap in there or something like that. I like that idea. Um, I do kind of wish I could just connect it over the LAN, but then again, I might want to share that with Ange. Maybe she'd want to be able to watch that or something. So I don't know. It's a it's a it's a neat experimental device. Yeah, I'll tell you what else is an experiment: crowdfunding. But I think I think I like the way this experiment is going. Four hundred eighty-four of you are backing Patreon.com/slash today, uh, and. Uh, I put up um, a uh, exclusive video for the patrons last Thursday. We didn't have a show Thursday or Friday because I needed the recoup time from Linux Fest, and so instead I made about a, a fifty-minute long video just for the patrons that included uh, a little behind-the-scenes information, um, some exclusive clips from Linux Fest Northwest, as well as a live Q and A with the Mumble and the chat room and myself. And that is up uh, exclusive to our patrons. If you are not yet a patron and would like to get access to that or any of the other things we've exclusively posted up there, just go to patreon.com slash today and uh, pledge whatever amount you can afford per month. That goes to fund our network. We use that to build out our new initiatives, to fund our shows that are in development, to do crazy things like fly hosts in for Linux Fest. And we have other longer, longer-term goals that I talk about in that exclusive video. If you've been a patron for a while and, and are curious about that kind of stuff, that, that video I posted is definitely for you. I go into a lot of detail about the long-term funding goals uh, and how, they're, how, it's, how it really will truly bring Jupiter Broadcasting to the next level and why I think crowdfunding is super, super critical to the, ty- to this, to the type of podcast network that Jupiter Broadcasting is. So... If you haven't yet watched that video, which there's 484 of you that are patrons and about 160 of you have watched the video. So I'm not a math expert, but I'm pretty sure that means some of you haven't watched it yet. And the only reason I mention it is uh, I really made it for you. It is essentially a 50 minute episode just for our patrons over there on the uh, Patreon feed. Patreon.com slash today. Thanks to all of 484 of you who are keeping us going and helping us grow and get better and better. It is the end of the show. We were talking about uh, all kinds of things today from DRM-free games to uh, Verizon IP with hundreds of Windows 7 activations. And uh, the uh, I said, Charum, 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 I need a I need an end of show video clip. And somebody said, what are you feeling like, Chris? And I said, well... How about an ISP commercial? Because I saw that Verizon store and I thought, ah, the good old days of ISPs, back when they had lots of different ISPs to pick from. And there's a little old company trying to be hip called Prodigy, and they brought on the only man who's cool back in the day to sell the company. You got, I mean, after I saw this commercial, how would you not want to be a Prodigy customer? Thanks for joining me today. I'll be back here tomorrow, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, jblive.tv, techtalktoday.reddit.com is where you go to make this show even better. And I really do appreciate all of the support and community feedback and stories and voting. And I know I was a little hard on you about the Apple thing, but really even that, that was like, okay, this is, even that, like I was like, oh, come on, really, guys? But then I was like, actually, this means I really need to talk about it. That was like the deciding factor. Is It was like that pushed me. It's like this is something that I was otherwise, a lot of the times, like 98% of the Apple stories I just avoid. 
That one was what. So you can make a difference in this show and maybe even inspire a rant. TechTalkToday.reddit.com. And with that, I leave you with the Prodigy commercial. See you back here tomorrow, everybody. Bye bye. I can't wait this thing. Having problems, baby. Hey. Beating up on you, banjo. Just one of the many interest groups you'll find in the new prodigy.